0: Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. Adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and by becoming like human beings. When he found himself in the form of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God highly honored him and gave him name above all names. So that everyone at the name of Jesus in heaven and on earth and under the earth below in every tongue and under the earth below might bow my bad. and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore my loved ones just as you always obey me not just when I am present but now even more while I am away Carry out your salvation with fear and trembling. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Weird number. What? Oh, okay. That means I'm live. Um, good morning, church. Thanks for being here for worship with us. Thank you for your patience as we um, worked diligently and frustratingly to figure out what the problems were. And can I be honest with you, we didn't figure out what they were except a reboot took care of it apparently. So may you be as patient with all your friends and loved ones and co-workers and fellow students as you have been with us this morning. And we'll return the favor. Please pray with me. God, may the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Because you and you only, God, are our strength and our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Thanks again for being here with us for worship, and I want to uh, make a confession. Uh, last week, a couple of times on this live video, I invited you to go to OUMC.org, and I was reminded afterwards by several different people that our site's not OUMC.org, so I hope you especially didn't go to OUMC.org slash give. You want to go to OVILLAUMC.org slash give. So... Um, Again, thanks. thanks for your patience with us, and thanks for the accountability um, to all of you who told me last week that I got that wrong. I don't always like being told I got something wrong. In fact, I never like being told I got something wrong, but I'm getting better at it, I think. Maybe it happens more. So I wanna start this week with this question. Do you remember? It might be from, from years ago, it might be from yesterday. Do you remember what it felt like to be picked last for a team? Do you remember what it felt like to be picked first for a team? Maybe not. Maybe you were always picked one way or the other. I, depending on the circumstances and I guess who else was in the pool, I would sometimes get picked early, maybe even first for a team when teams were being picked, and sometimes I would get picked last. For a team and honestly i never wanted to be the one who picked teams because i knew what it felt like to be picked last and if i had to do the picking then somebody had to be picked last and i didn't want to put that on anybody do you ever wonder if the disciples felt that way when jesus was picking them i mean it wasn't like there were 24 people out there and jesus got first pick and then satan got a pick and jesus got a pick so it, it's not like that but you know, Peter gets all the press. We never hear anything about Thaddeus. Do you ever wonder if getting into heaven is like being picked for a team or not? You feel like you might get picked, you might not. I know from my conversations with the vast majority of people I've had in this kind of, um, on this kind of topic over the last 30 years... Almost everybody feels like if they get picked for the get-to-go-to-heaven-when-you-die team, they're going to be the last one in. So however you feel about where you usually get picked, I would invite you to consider that today as we do our second week on putting God first. This week we're putting Jesus first. So if I have three weeks to do something, I'm probably going to make it Trinitarian. So last week it was putting God, the Father, first. This week it's putting Jesus first. Next week it's putting the Holy Spirit first. Putting Jesus first. So just to recap last week, because you might not have been here or you've slept since then and you don't remember, putting God first took me to the Ten Commandments, which we generally read incorrectly because we think that we read the first the Ten Commandments as though they start with Thou shalt not. But the Ten Commandments don't start with Thou shalt not. The Ten Commandments start with, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of that land of slavery. So Ten Commandments? Don't start with us being told to do something. They start with God reminding us what God has done for us. And then we get the commandments in response to that. Because putting God first means remembering all that God has done for you before God asked you to do anything in return. And then God delivered the people. God delivered God's people. God has delivered us. And I invited you last week, and I invite you now if you missed last week or you've forgotten, to, to do, make a list or an inventory of things from which God has delivered you. And if you're willing, to make another list or another inventory of things from which you're still waiting or wanting God to deliver you. And so uh, to lead us into talking about putting Jesus first, I want to share with you a story of something from which God delivered me. And God delivered me from this particular challenge or problem or sin by some people in my youth group. We moved to Houston from Maryland when I was going into ninth grade, and we were warmly and resoundedly accepted and welcomed at the Faith United Methodist Church in Spring, Texas, We were welcomed with love into that youth group. And my brother and I started going to that youth group, and we never missed anything unless we were out of town or sick or something because we were so welcomed. And so we had been a part of this youth group for a couple of years. I had begun my actual um, relationship with God and my steps as a disciple of Jesus. And then there was this Sunday afternoon that I remember being confronted in the kitchen of faith united methodist church by one of the girls in our youth group i i, I the way i remember it, it was linda linda if you're watching this you can correct me but i remember linda and i think she from a conversation with all the other girls in the youth group she either offered or was selected to confront me and tell me that until i stopped cutting people down none of the girls in the youth group would talk to me again That gets a boy's attention. And she had the place to stand to call me and hold me accountable on that because she was a valued friend of mine and she represented a large group of valued friends of mine. So she didn't call me out. She wasn't going to cancel me. She was just telling me that something about my behavior was really inappropriate and they were concerned and they thought this might get my attention well it did this i believe is the kind of accountability upon which methodism was founded and back to which we ought to be turning where we with with love and respect call each other to account for things from which god hasn't delivered us yet so i was humbled by the experience of having someone in my youth group tell me that they weren't talking to me again until I stopped cutting people down. And it wasn't easy because I grew up in the 70s. And in the 70s, all situation comedies on television were about cutting other people down. And it was kind of like the hero of the show was the best at cutting other people down and putting them in their place. And so I got really good at it. And so it was not easy for me to stop because I learned then that not only was I good at saying these things, I was God good at saying these hurtful and mean things to people because I had gotten really good at thinking of these hurtful and main thing, mean things about other people. In fact, I could, I, could, I could cut somebody down from 50 yards that I'd never met before. I was that good at it, and I'm not bragging. So the Holy Spirit helped me to learn to give that up, to be delivered from it. It took me some effort, but I learned that I had to trained my mind to think of three to five positive, affirming things to say about somebody who I could, from 50 yards away, start to cut down. And it took me some time to change the balance, but I learned to change the way I thought, which in turn changed the way I spoke. In that, God delivered me, thanks to my friends in my youth group who could hold me accountable. And that helped me follow Jesus better. Because the Jesus I wanted to follow and the Jesus that helped me follow better is the Jesus that we met in in Philippians chapter 2 as Julia read to us. I will read it again in a moment. But this, this Jesus helps us live our lives as people who have been delivered from the various things from which God has delivered us. So I want to read this to you again and share it with you. Philippians 2, and I put my bookmark in Ephesians. So Paul starts this, he he prefaces it, and then the body of this, most of what I'm going to read to you and that Julia read to you already, is from what um, authorities believe is one of the oldest written texts of the Christian faith. So Paul's writings are among the earliest that we have, but Paul's quoting this as something that is from even before he wrote this letter to the church in Philippi. And he starts the quote with, uh, adopt the ad- attitude that was in Christ Jesus. So Paul is inviting us to, to think the way Jesus thought. And then he says this, though he, referring to Christ Jesus, was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and by becoming like human beings. When he found himself in the form of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly honored him, gave him a name above all names, so that at the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven and on earth and under the earth might bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So therein, Paul ends the quoting of that ancient ancient Christian hymn, and he concludes the section by saying, or he responds to that saying, Therefore, my loved ones, just as you always obey me, not just when I'm present, but even now more more while I am away, carry out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So Paul invites us to carry out our salvation with fear and trembling, the fear and trembling that comes with being challenged regularly, even continually, to follow Jesus better than we have before. But I shared this scripture because I want to make it clear the Jesus that we are following, the Jesus that we are putting first, is the one who, though he was in the form of God, didn't consider being equal with God something to exploit, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave and becoming like human beings. So Jesus... Humbled himself enough to become human. And this is our model. Jesus, I've heard it said, is the best example of God that we can possibly have. Someone has even said it this way, that God, the Father, is at least as kind as Jesus. And the Jesus that we are presented with in the Gospels and in the Scriptures is the model of humility, and I felt like this was an important message for these days and for our church because this congregation has, at least over the last couple of years and probably honestly over and times throughout our history, we sometimes let ourselves get torn apart and we forget the humility and people say things that they probably wouldn't mean with a, norm, with, with a humble heart or even a rational mind and other people hear things the way they really wouldn't want to hear them. And so I invite you, as we consider follow, putting Jesus first, that we do so with the humility that Jesus himself offers us as an example. When I first started thinking about this, about putting Jesus first, and, and I thought of Philippians 2, I couldn't help but wonder, how is it that we're supposed to put Jesus first when the Jesus described in Philippians 2 doesn't want to be first? He wants to be last, which is exactly the kind of Jesus that we actually want to follow because if Jesus spent his entire life to be a servant of others then he invites us to do the same thing so we put Jesus first by serving Jesus we put Jesus first by serving others we put Jesus first by humbling ourselves and having the hard conversations that we need to have with people that we might have hurt and it came to me this week as as i had conversations with people in our community and in our congregation about people who feel genuinely hurt by other people who, who share the same church membership together. And other people who feel like they've hurt people. And, and so it's hard to say where to, have this convers- where to start this conversation because this Jesus who comes to us and leads us in humility said in Matthew that if somebody sinned against you, confront them one-on-one, not on Twitter, just in person and work it through. But then I thought about the times that I've, some of the times I've been confronted, if somebody approaches me and tells me, you've sinned against me, you need to make it right, I don't respond that well to it. But also, in so that's in Matthew 18, Jesus says, if someone sins against you, confront them. But in Matthew five, Jesus says, if you think somebody has something against you, go to them and, and work it out and make it up. So whether you're the confronter or the confrontee, we as followers of Jesus, have some difficult conversations that we need to have if we're going to be putting Jesus first, the Jesus who didn't consider equality with God, which he had something to hold on to, but set it aside to come to us and for us. So we put Jesus first by adopting the humility that he modeled for us. In what ways do you need adopt that kind of humility? What do you need to set aside? What claims to understanding or authority or rightness do you need to set aside so that you can adopt the humility of Jesus and thus put Jesus first? Because I have this vision of the church, especially the church that I pastor, but the church worldwide of people who are disciples of Jesus living the way Jesus lived. And as torn apart as our nation Is threatening to be right now I imagine us living this way humbly with each other humbly confronting each other humbly entering really difficult and challenging conversations I imagine us if we do that as being a city set on a hill letting our light shine for all the people in the world around us who feel like they're always the last one picked by our behavior they can hear us tell them the good news that God has already picked them.